Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. I just, I told the first audience this, and I'm going to tell you guys again because we're all friends here. You know when you have like a sneeze that won't come out and it's just stuck there? That has been my life for the last three and a half hours. It is just right here and it's driving me crazy. So if at some point I let loose on this stage, watch out because I have one of the world's loudest sneezes. It's just, and I make it that way because why not? Got to live life. Anyway, so if it's your first time here, we are wrapping up this series called Now Boarding. And if you haven't had a chance to hear any of the prior messages, you can always go online at soflowchurch.com or iTunes and listen to it. But it doesn't matter because these weeks don't build on each other. We are simply kind of having a conversation in a general topic that we've called Now Boarding. And the origin for this series came from the idea that when I look at People, friends, family, myself, people in Fort Lauderdale, it seems to be the case that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're never really settled. And we're always kind of thinking about, well, what's next? I mean, you think even now you're here at church, we haven't really even started yet, but you've checked that off your list. You're thinking about brunch, you're thinking about the fact that there's no church next week and you're pumped about that. We're already moving down the line and we're not even thinking about what we're currently in. And so... This whole series, the best way that I can kind of package it for you, is it's trying to help us learn how to prepare for what's next. Because every single one of us has, you know, what we're calling a different next. Um, It could be graduation for some of you. It might be getting married. It might be having a child. It might be getting ready to retire or an empty nester. Now, interestingly enough, some of the conversations that I've had because of this series, people come up to me and say, John, I don't know what's next for me. Now you've got me thinking, I don't really know what's next. And and perhaps some of you have several options for what's next. And you don't really know what to decide. And that's stressful. It's stressful when, like, you don't know what you're going to do. It's stressful when when you're afraid of making the wrong decision and leading yourself down the wrong path or getting involved with the wrong person or getting involved with the wrong job or making the wrong move. And so what I want to do today for you guys is we kind of wrap up this whole series is I want to introduce you to a concept that I believe will dramatically reduce the stress in your life, particularly when it comes to decisions you have to make about new seasons and new stages and new things. And so what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a question. I'm going to do it in the form of a question. And I kind of talked a little bit about this last week at the end of the service, but this is the kind of question that if you can begin to understand it at its core, And if you can begin to implement it into your life, I firmly believe it can change the trajectory of the path of your life. It can bring you from where you are to really where you want to be. And it's the kind of question that if you had this question during that season of your life where you made, let's call it the biggest regret, I think if you had this question, the outcome of that season would be different. Now, I didn't make up this question today. It's right from Scripture. In fact, this question was taught to me many years ago. It was taught to that person years before that. And it's the kind of question that sort of circulates within church culture. And I guarantee you after today, it's going to be the kind of question that you are going to want to go and teach somebody else. So this question finds its origins in the book of Ephesians. Let me kind of talk to you about what Ephesians is. When we read New Testament books, books of the Bible, so to speak. We read uh, this book of Ephesians. It was written by a guy named Paul. And if you've spent any kind of time at this church, you know we like Paul a lot around here. Paul wrote over half of the New Testament, and he wrote the book of Ephesians. Now, with Ephesians, he didn't just sit down at a table with a pad and pen and start writing, you know, a theological treatise and then said, I'm going to call this the book of Ephesians. 
he actually wrote a letter to one specific church that was located in a city called Ephesus. And this is the letter that we have. So in essence, it would be like if Paul were to write a letter to downtown Harbor Church. And I received the letter, and now we're kind of going through this letter that Paul sent to us. And what happened with these letters way back then, like this particular letter, is one church would read it, then they would pass it to the other church. So it's like I would take this letter and hand it to First Baptist down the street. They would take it, hand it to Calvary out west and down to Rio Vista, and it would make their way around the town. And it's how we get these books in the New Testament. And so in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul was writing to a specific group. And this group were new Christians. I mean, at this point, everybody was a new Christian. But these were new Christians. And the conversation that he's having earlier in the chapter with this new group is this idea that, okay, guys, because of the way that you used to live your life, I'm going to tell you that you used to live in darkness. But now you've said yes to Jesus. Now you're in a new season of your life. Now you live in the light, Paul says. And because you're now in the light, because you're now a child of God, we've got to kind of clean up your act a little bit. Like, you need to live a little bit differently, and I know the city that you live in, and I know it's difficult, but you got to stop doing a couple of things. And so in this letter, he goes through a whole list of things that they really shouldn't be doing anymore now that they're Christians. And the reason he gives them this list is not so that when they stop doing these things, it will make them right with God, because Jesus died on the cross to make them right with God. But Paul's saying... When you stop doing these things, the reason I'm telling you to kind of knock it off, to change the way you live, is because it is beneficial to you right here now. And for that matter, it is beneficial to the people that you live with. And so what he starts to say is that if you do what I'm suggesting that you do, if you begin to apply this, and I'm going to call it a question, if you begin to apply this question or filter to every opportunity that presents itself, every new stage of life that you find yourself in, every new season, every next that might be coming down the line, if you begin to process it all through this question, you will be better off. So today I'm going to kind of work our way through about just two to three lines of Scripture and just kind of pull out some stuff before we get into this question. But Paul kind of sets the groundwork for the question in Ephesians chapter 5. He says this, Be very careful then, how you live. And so this word live in various other translations is actually the word walk as you kind of walk around. Paul is saying, as you walk around, I need you to be careful. And this word careful that he chose is a word picture of, I need you to be a super observant. I need you to be almost looking at the ground when you're walking around. I need you to be careful. So what he's saying to these folks is like, look, as you go about your life, As you're walking around, as you're living your life, I need you to be careful. I need you to look down. I need you to look forward. I need you to look behind you, all around you. You need to be very careful in the way that you live. He continues. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. I need you to live not as unwise, but as wise. And so what Paul is doing here is he's equating being wise with being careful. Conversely, he's equating being unwise with being careless. He goes, I need you to be careful. Unwise in this circumstance would be doing whatever you want with whoever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, and just not worrying about the consequences at all. What he's trying to say is like, this is how you used to live. I don't want you to live like that anymore. I want more for your life. God wants more for your life. You need to be careful 
in the way that you're living. He continues, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So again, with this word opportunity, what Paul is saying here is this. Look, listen. With every opportunity in your life that presents itself, in every new season that you find yourself in, and we're all in different seasons, whatever stage you're in, whatever next that you might be choosing, I need you to be wise so that you can make the most of those opportunities. And then he says something unusual. He goes, because the days that you're in are evil. What does that even mean? So remember that Paul is speaking to an individual church. He's speaking to specific Christians who live in a specific city with things going on. However, their city is much like Fort Lauderdale in 2019. And what he's trying to say to these guys is this. Listen, if you just relax and you kind of float along with culture, if you just drift along with what culture wants you to do, you will quickly find yourself in a place that you don't want to be in. And I feel like I would say these words and you guys kind of hear and go, yeah, I mean, mean, that makes sense. I mean, Paul's speaking to this group and he's saying, look, if you pick up your feet, get in a raft, and you just drift with the culture relationally, you will end up somewhere relationally that you don't want to be in. If you just drift with the culture that you're in financially, you will quickly find yourself in a place where you're saying, how did I get here? Like, this this is not what I want for my life. He's basically saying, you're going to find yourself saying, you know, how do I, you know, why am I in this handbasket and, and where am I going? I said this to Christina, the girl who was playing. She goes, what does that mean? I go, you know, hell in a handbasket. She goes, oh gosh, all right. But like if you just go with culture, you will quickly find yourself doing things, saying things, and acting in ways that you never wanted to be. And Paul is saying so consequently, you got to be careful. Consequently, you can't afford to be careless. So he continues, therefore, he says, in light of everything that I've just told you, therefore, don't be foolish, right? Almost saying, don't be stupid, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is actually almost a little bit of a dig he's taken here at Christians. Specifically, it's a dig at Christians who love to find loopholes in everything. They love to find loopholes with God. They love to find loopholes with life. And, 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 and we've all been there. We kind of say, yeah, I know the Bible says that. But, mm, you know, he's like, stop doing that. Don't just see. He goes, come on, come on, come on. You know better. You know the will of God. Don't keep doing this to yourself. He goes, don't keep keep talking yourself into something that you know you shouldn't be doing. Don't keep talking yourself out of doing something that you know you should be doing. He goes, quit playing games. You know what's right. He's like, come on, you know. You know, don't keep doing this to yourself. So the question that I want to chat about today is found in the earlier part of the verse when he says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So again, for us, for now boarding, he's saying at every opportunity that comes your way, in every new season that you're about to enter, in every stage that you find yourself, and every possible next that you could say yes to. The test that I want you to use to find out whether you should do it is not, is not, what did I do last time? It is not, what can I get away with? And it is not, what is everybody else doing? Because you know, this is how we generally operate. With every decision, we're kind of like, mm, what did I do last time? 
well, what's everybody else doing right now? I'm just going to do, do what they're doing. He goes, no, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't do that anymore. He goes, I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to give you a filter to use that will successfully, if you use it, will successfully guide you through every stage, every season, and with every decision. The question is, what is the wise thing to do? It's very simple, but it's very powerful. And there's a reason that we need this question in every single one of our lives. It's because this question, as simple as it is, keeps us honest. And you may hear that and you go, keeps us honest. What do you, like, what do you mean keeps us honest? It keeps you honest because, and I'll just put it this way, the easiest person for you to deceive is you. I mean, you just see this and you go, yeah. The easiest person for you to deceive is you. The person you get into trouble the most is you. And we lie to ourselves all the time about how we got into trouble. I mean, when you think back to that season in your life when you made the biggest regret and you kind of go, you know, I, never, I, don't, I have no idea how I landed myself in that trouble. I have no idea. Yeah, you do. You know exactly what you did. You made a series of unwise decisions that built on the next one and built and built and built, and it allowed it to be a very easy decision to make that last unwise one. And that last unwise one laid you in a heap of a mess. And Paul is saying, we've got to stop doing this to ourselves. We've got to make a change. We've got to get ourselves off the wrong path and back on the right path. So in the first week, if you were here, you remember one of the things that we discussed was that this idea that the seasons of our life are connected. This is something that Scripture talks about. Scripture talks about this idea that what you do today sets you up for who you'll be tomorrow. Or what you fail to do today will set you up for who you'll be tomorrow or where you'll be tomorrow. So if this is true, and I believe it is because the Scripture talks about it, we need to apply this idea to the question, what is the wise thing to do? We need to begin to look at this question, what is the wise thing to do from three dimensions in order for it to really work in our life? We've got to look at it from the past, we've got to look at it from the present, and we've got to look at it from the future. So let me just kind of walk you through how you begin to implement this question in your life. The first thing we do is we ask, well, in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? And here's why this question is great. This question becomes custom-tailored to your own life because every single one of us is unique. Every single one of us has a different past. My past is very different from your past. Your past is very different from my past. And so based on our pasts, what might be wise for me might not be wise for you. And so you have to think about it that way. So it's kind of like this. Maybe we're going to be going out to happy hour. Okay, going out to happy hour. And you're going, I'm going to come. I might stop you and say, hey, Remember what happened last time you went to happy hour? Ooh, yeah, that, that, did, that didn't end well. No, it didn't end that well. Remember the last time you spent all that money? Yeah, yeah, that, it got tight around the house. It, with that, that did not work out. Remember the last time he called you and you picked up the phone? Yeah, that was not a good, that was not a good time in my life. Let me just say this, and this might be for someone in the room. I don't know who it is, but this might be the thing that you need to hear today. So listen to this. The most dangerous text message that you could ever respond to is, 
You up? Okay. You up? And because you're laughing, you know what a you up text message is. And if you've ever sent one, you know that like at 2.52 in the morning, you're not interested in starting a Bible study. Okay. Like this is, look, if you get one of these in your life, do not answer it. Because if you do, listen, you're going to be, you're going to say, oh, I should not have answered this one. When I was a teenager, I was thinking about this. When I was a teenager, I was begging my parents for a late curfew. I was like one of those kids that had like the earliest curfew you could possibly, it was embarrassing. It was mortifying. But like I begged and I pleaded and they just never would give it to me. And I remember distinctly, my parents were like, John, you have to understand, okay? Nothing good, and remember their words exactly, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And I'm like, how do you guys even know? You're asleep on the couch at 8.30. Okay, so that's like me now. They go, just trust us. One day you'll know what we're talking about. It is just not a good idea for you to be out that late. And I wasn't even asking for 2 a.m., mind you. But when I got to college, finally, and I finally started staying out till all hours of the night because that's just what you do in college, oh, I got to see with my, you know, my own eyes. It's like every week, clockwork, okay, that hand strikes 2 a.m., and it was like that SIGAP basement went from a frat house to the last days of Rome. I don't know what it is, okay, I don't know what it is about that, but you all know it's like everybody starts making a lot of unwise decisions, and maybe that was you, okay, maybe that was your past, this is a no-judgment zone here, okay, but let me just ask you a question personally, you don't have to answer this out loud, but do you ever wonder why history keeps repeating itself for you? I mean, you get to a place and you're kind of like, my gosh, how did I get here again? Like, how, how did I end up in this same spot in a relationship? How did I end up in this same spot financially? How did I end up in this same spot emotionally? It's like everybody else, it's like just me. What is going on? And I'm going to tell you what's going on. You are not asking the question, what is the wise thing to do in light of everything that has happened to you? Because like all of us, you know, we find ourselves in the same situation, because history repeats itself. We find ourselves in the same situation, and then we begin to tell ourselves and convince ourselves, well, this time's going to be different. Okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do the exact same thing, but this time is going to be different. Yeah, mom, I know you said that, but this time's going to be different. Yeah, honey, I know this didn't work out well for us the last time, but you got to understand, this time is different. And we just keep leading ourselves down the same wrong path. That's why we always have to be asking, in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? Just for me, for right now, what's the wise thing to do? Because you got to break the cycle. You know what I mean. At some point, you got to say, all right, enough is enough. What's the wise thing for me to do right here and right now? But a lot of us don't like this question because a lot of us, if we're being honest, really enjoy what I'll call the fogginess of the past. We love to sort of live in a world of the, yeah, but this time. Okay? Here's why this question is great. This question cuts through all of our, you know the word that I want to say, but I'll just say self-deception. When you ask this question, it will stop you dead in your tracks from making that unwise decision. So if you want history in your life to stop repeating, ask it, and then act on it. The second part of the question is this. In light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? So you've just entered into a new season of your life, whatever that may be. You've, you're in a new stage, and everyone's different. We all have different circumstances. So let me kind of walk you through what this might look like for some of your lives. It's like this. Okay, you just got married. Congratulations. That's great. Now, what's the wise thing to do? I understand that, you know, you and your buddies go out on Tuesday nights, 
nothing illegal happens, but you literally just got married. So what's the wise thing to do, you think? I understand that you and the girls go on that one-week trip, right? Last year was Nashville. Nothing bad happened, but you just got married. What's the wise thing to do? Not forever, maybe not for everybody, but for you right now. What's the wise thing to do in light of your current circumstances? You just got divorced, and it was brutal. But you're ready for something new. You're ready for someone new. In fact, you may have already found that new person. And maybe there's some overlap, but we don't need to talk about that today. But it's kind of like this, okay? In light of your current circumstances, in light of the fact that you just got divorced, In light of the fact of your current vulnerabilities and emotional state, what's the wise thing to do? Not forever, not for everyone, but for you right now. You just had a baby. Congratulations. Your wife's not working right now. You're down to one paycheck. Bills are already tight. Now you're sweating bullets as to what you're going to be doing in the future. And oh, Would you look at that? Best Buy is having a sale on flat screen TVs. Oh, that's interesting. And you know, we really need that 85-inch flat screen so that I can watch, you know, Frozen with the kids. This is something that we as a family, we need this. Paul would say, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know. What's the wise thing to do? Not forever. Not for everyone, but for you. Right now. And the last part of this question I believe is the most important part, particularly for us as we're kind of talking about what's next in life, this now boarding kind of a thing, and it's this. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Now, as someone who's been in ministry for several years now, I'll tell you that this kind of brings me to a a sad place because I've seen a lot of people who had big hopes and, and, and big dreams and they traded it in for something right now. For some, some activity, some behavior, something that they told themselves, I need this right now. And if they just took a half step, they would realize that this is not something they would want in the future. But they said yes to it. And in essence, by doing so, they robbed their future hopes and dreams. Now, for some of us, particularly younger folks perhaps, we might have a lot of friends who don't necessarily have future hopes and dreams. We're not judging, but they're the kind of people that just live for now, that might live from paycheck to paycheck, and, and, and they'll go to you and they'll just say, hey, just, it's not illegal, do it. Spend the money. Text her back, okay? Take that drink. But you have hopes and dreams, You want to make something of your life. For you, you want a successful marriage. You want to have a long, you know, successful marriage with your spouse. You want to have the ultimate trust. And if that's the case, what's the wise thing to do? You you want to retire and not worry. You want to ride off into the sunset at 63. You don't want to have to have a budget. You want to travel the world, and you want to leave this world with perhaps being able to leave something behind for your kids. And if that's the case, what's the the wise thing to do right now? Maybe for you, you want to stay sober. Maybe you gave up far too many years to drugs or pills or alcohol, and you lost friends, and you lost family, 
and you are just dying to live. You just want to have a normal life. And if that's the case, what's the wise thing for you to do? Maybe you just want to graduate. Maybe you want to be a success in life. And I understand that your friends are going on that spring break trip. And I understand that your friends are, are skipping that Friday and they're skipping all the classes, but, but you want to be different. You want to make something of yourself. What's the wise thing to do for you? Maybe not for everybody, but for you today in light of your future hopes and dreams. Because the seasons of our lives are connected. What we do today will impact who we are tomorrow and where we are tomorrow. So let's just take all of this and put it together so that we can understand how to use it. And it's this. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? And it's that small addition of me makes all the difference in the world. And it reminds you that this is custom tailored to your own life because we're all different. We all have unique pasts, unique current circumstances, and unique future homes and dreams. So we have to decide what the wise thing is for us. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey for some Christians. Because sometimes Christians will, will look at this question and they may say something along the lines of, well, let's just choose one topic. It doesn't even matter. I'll just choose one. Alcohol, for them, it's not a good thing. For them, alcohol is not a wise decision. Now, the Bible never prohibits the consumption of alcohol. Well, you know, there's nothing illegal about the consumption of alcohol. But what starts to happen is that we as Christians find these things that are not good for us and we start projecting it onto everybody else. Because I can't do it, you can't do it. And what happens is if we start living that life, we begin to enter into that realm of legalism. See, what might not be wise for me might not be a problem for you at all. And conversely, what might be a problem for you might not be an issue for me. One of the things that I've learned in ministry is that no one plans to screw up their life. They just don't plan not to. Nobody gets married and goes, oh, I can't wait to get divorced one day. I'm just really excited and looking forward to that, right? No one says, I can't wait to graduate college, get a job, lose the job, and go broke. This is just, this is, they just don't plan not to. That, that's what happens. We just don't plan not to do these things. Here's the truth, all right? This question is how you plan not to. I can't be more blunt. This question needs to be consistently asked in all areas of your life, at all times of your life, in every opportunity, in every season, at every stage, at every decision, at every next that is on the horizon. What is the wise thing for me, just me, right here, right now, what's the wise thing to do? So what's the practical? If it's your first time here at this church, we ask this question every single week because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. And this week, if it's your first time here, you're off the hook because this is perhaps the easiest practical I've ever given. And it's simply this. For the next seven days, I just want you to do one thing. Ask it. Just ask the question. At every step of the way, I would just challenge you. When you're about to make a decision, when you're about to do something, I would just ask you, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not asking you to do anything with it. I just want you to ask it. 
And I want you to see what the wise thing would be, and I want you to compare it with the decision you're about to make. Don't change it. Just, just compare the two and see what the wise thing to do would be. And when you go home, I'm not, this is not me telling you that you need to break up with that person. This is not me telling you you got to go sell that car that you know you shouldn't have bought, that you now have. Now, this is not me telling you that, okay? This is not me telling you that you should probably go cancel that one vacation. This is not me telling you that. This is me just asking you for seven days to begin to ask what the wise thing would be for you to do. Paul says a lot in this chapter, but what I truly believe he's trying to tell us all is this. Life is short, and we cannot afford to waste it. If we don't look out for our best interests, if we don't start making wise decisions, let me tell you this, no one's looking out for us. You've got to start looking out for yourself. Paul says, you know what God wants for your life. You know the will of God. Come on. Come on. What's the wise thing? You know. What's the wise thing for you to do? Not for everybody. Just for you right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we could come here today and just have a conversation about wisdom. Unfortunately, Lord, so many of us, so many times, have fallen into the trap of making unwise decisions, even when we knew what the right thing to do was. Lord, I pray that today you can challenge us, perhaps in a new way, to begin looking at life differently to begin really being observant and careful in the way that we live, Lord. We only have one life. We can't afford to waste it anymore. We can't allow history to repeat itself anymore. Lord, you have a plan for our life, and that plan is bright. Help us to stop getting in the way of that. Help us, Lord, to understand what you truly want for our lives. And help us to begin to making the right decision. Things need to change we got to start getting this right. Lord, I don't know what someone's going through in this room right now. But Lord, if I know people, I know there's someone in this room right now who's been praying to you about a specific need. Perhaps something they've been crying out to you about to intervene in, to touch them. God, I just pray that right now, all of us here with our heads bowed, Lord, that you would just touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Lord, that you would touch them at the place of their need, that they would feel your presence in their life, perhaps in a way that they've never felt before. And we place all these requests in the name of Jesus.